Okay. Um, you know what? Today we're going to talk about Evo Did. But before we get to the new stuff, we're also going to talk about all the old stuff. So this is Gabe. And this is John John. Blah. So, you know, before we talk about the new Evil Dead, let's let's work our way up to it. And I know our friend Ned wanted us to do an episode on Evil Dead. I don't know what Evil Dead though, because I mean, I don't know if he wanted us to do one on Evil Dead Two, the 2013 remake, or Army of Darkness, or even Part One, which I don't like. I, I never liked Part One. It's the most what not the most, but one of the most overrated horror films. I don't like it. Um, I don't know. What about you? Well, I thought it was kind of cool the first time I saw it. I got annoyed by the screaming deadites towards the end of the film, though. And um, the second one was definitely better, so I stopped enjoying the first one once the second one came out. Army of Darkness was pretty funny. Like, that that was a nice uh, comedic change-up for the series. And I thought the reboot in 2013 was actually better than the previous movies. Oh, okay. Well, wait, hold on. Well, Evil Dead 2 was hilarious. Did you ever see it with the commentary? No, actually, I haven't seen it with the commentary. You need to watch Evil Dead 2 with the commentary. It's the best way to watch Evil Dead 2. It's I, I do have it on Blu-ray, so I can probably do that. It's hilarious, dude. Like, just hearing them talk about, you know, the experience of making the film. And, dude, they're having a good time. Like, they were having a good time when they recorded it, and it's fun just listening to them talk about it and it, it it's like one of the best commentaries i've ever heard other than that it would be like the spinal tap commentary because they do it in character okay i definitely need to see that and uh fight club they do fight club in character no no they don't do fight club oh. in character. but also uh you know what's another good commentary that's not a movie um hmm. portal the game yep you can play it with a commentary track that's in the settings. Well, that's cool. They should and, do that with more games. And the audio, you know, it, it detects like where you're at in the game and it'll trigger the audio track to start playing. And you're just listening to developers talk about it. I think that's you know, the game director and the woman who voiced GLaDOS. She actually does commentary tracks. Like, you know, they go back and forth with the game director and her. So, I'm going to have yeah. to check that out sometime. Yeah, this is a really creepy part where uh, she imitates the Galato voice and she does it without any uh, special effects. Like she, that sort of like electronic reverb or whatever that it has? No, just like the very empty sound. You get what I'm saying? Just Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really creepy. Like, man, that's scary. So, yeah. And also, I mean, we're, we're getting too much into video games, but real quick. You need to play Cyberpunk 2077 because she I, comes I out on Cyberpunk. You've been telling me I, I really need to do that. Yeah, she comes out on Cyberpunk, and it, it's epic. Yeah, yeah, you know, Army of Darkness got even funnier, sillier. Honestly, my favorite out of all of them is Army of Darkness. I do like the TV show, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Well, that one it, is supposed to follow Army of Darkness. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a cool show. I liked it. Um, it comes with the, uh, the collector box. If you ever get it, it's all like, no, it's, it's evil dead one, two, and all seasons of Ash versus the evil dead in 4k. Damn. Is that expensive? Uh, it's like, I don't know, 60 bucks, but I got it for 40 on Amazon. So, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, the only thing I don't like is that the box is huge 
and it takes up a lot of space in my little uh, steel book drawer, but whatever. But yeah, you know, and then this is where we got to get into. Well, actually, first, before the TV show, the sequel to Army of Darkness was actually Hail to the King. Remember that? The Dreamcast game. Yeah. Man, I've played it. I don't remember anything about it, though, because that was back whenever it came out. That was actually the official sequel to the story. And you know how they change up the endings all the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Ash ends up, you know, being back at Smart working, and he's being haunted by what happened back at the cabin. So his girlfriend at the time tells him, well, you should face your demons and get over them. So he thinks it's a good idea, and they go back to the cabin, and it all starts, and that's how the game starts. So it's like Spider House all over again. You played that one and Fistful of Boomstick. You know, I never played that one. That one's a little bit more cartoony than Hail to the King. It's still got Bruce Campbell voicing Ash, but it's about the Necronomicon ends up in a museum or on some professor's desk or something like that. It's just basically the same storyline as Evil Dead or Army of Darkness, where somebody opens the book, reads it, the Deadites come out. You go through about like something like eight to 12 levels till you get to hell and actually fight the deadites in hell. And that's pretty much the end of the game there. What's, what's the actual ending? Like you just, is there some major deadite you got to fight? I, I can't remember what the boss was at the end. I'll have to look that up. I want to say it's some big ass deadite. Be like doom. Yeah. It's uh, like a cyber demon type deadite. Just some big dude with, bones and knives and stuff strapped to his arms. Akuji, I think, is the... No, that's a fucking... That's something else. What about the uh, the last Evil Dead game that came out? I know Bruce Campbell was promo- uh, promoting it, too. Evil um, Dead the game? Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, Dead by Daylight. Yeah, it's a uh, 4v1 game. Uh, I enjoyed it. I actually got that on Epic when it came out. And you can play as different versions of Ash... Uh, different characters from the previous Evil Dead series. You can play as the characters from Ash vs. Evil Dead. And you can either do an AI battle against the Deadites or player versus player where somebody actually plays the the evil presence, but they choose a specific Deadite to play as. It'll either be like that bloated lady from the second one, I think. And you can play as Evil Ash from Army of Darkness. You could play as those <laughs> weird kind of like faceless monsters with big mouths from Ash vs. Evil Dead. And they all have different specialties. Like the that bloated lady has a whole bunch of tank-type characters. And Evil Ash is basically a necromancer with a whole bunch of armor and a sword. He could summon all his little skeleton cronies. That's actually cool. It's fun. I, I play the shit out of it. I haven't done any of the single-player stuff on it yet. I've just been doing all the multiplayer shit, just leveling up uh, Evil Dead 2 Ash is the one I usually play as. Or I play as Evil Ash if I'm doing a Deadite. So it's pretty much but, big Evil Dead uh, lore thrown together. Yeah, and each character has its own uh, type of class. Like Evil Dead 2 Ash, I think is a... I want to say he's a hunter or something like that. He's got a lot of ranged attacks, and you can level him up to make his... Uh, his rifle and his shotgun stronger and make him tougher to, to scare. Cause there's like a fear mechanic in the game where you'll actually start hallucinating if you gain more fear and it'll make it really hard to just do shit on screen. And then you can be possessed real easily once you're maximum afraid. Imagine if they threw in the, uh, 
the white stripe of hair, like on Evil Dead 2, remember? Uh, that is uh, another skin for Ash. You get, I think it's Smart Ash. The white? <laughs> yeah, you, you get the the white stripe in the hair like Mr. Fantastic. We got to move on from Sam Raimi Evil Dead. Because then in 2013, we had Evil Dead, the remake. And that, dude, I remember when that trailer came out. Um, AG, I was actually talking to AG about it. And I was telling him, like, dude, that trailer looks badass. I'm pretty sure this remake's going to be really good. Like, it just looks like a straight-up horror film without, you know, the bullshit comedy. Like, yeah, the comedy's funny, man, but we'd like to see it, you know, like like part one, where it's, you know, a horror, but with a better budget now. And, dude, it worked, and it was badass. I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. They really wrapped up the violence, because, you know, Evil Dead, when it came out, it had some... 90s style violence and then the new evil dead like like the stuff from the previous evil Dead was going to be taped compared to this so they really had to turn it up to 11 yeah the the blood was ridiculous especially yeah. at the end where it was just literally raining blood yep slayer would be proud oh and then so they also you, have the tree scene wait so so you like 2013 over all previous evil dead stuff yes oh snap like, I'm not going to say the other ones suck, except maybe for the first one, like, how you feel about it. I kind of got the same feelings. But if I had the choice, I will watch the 2013 Evil Dead over the other ones. Because, like, I, I get I get where you're coming from because, you know, I know people have stuff they love. You know, they're they're very big fans of, you know, like, when it comes to horror, I'm really all about The Exorcist, except for Part 2. But, you know, I'm all about, you know, the novels, The Exorcist, Legion, then the movies, part one, and then part three. And I actually like the uh, the two crazy-ass prequels that came out. It was like Dominion, and damn it, I forgot the name of the other one. But yeah, there were two versions, and the studio was just like, fuck it, let's release both of them. Was the other one just called The Beginning or something like yeah, that? Yeah, The Beginning, there we go. But didn't they both have uh, Stellan Skarsgård? Yeah. There were just two different movies that they shot, and they were just like, just just releasing both. And that made no sense. But hey, at least we got two uh, two prequels. <laughs> yeah, they worked out. Yeah. So you know what? I, I thought those were cool. Yeah, I thought those were cool. Um, I thought the TV show was cool, even though I only saw a few episodes. I I need to watch the rest of it. The TV show got raunchy. Like they they did a lot of shit in the TV show you wouldn't see in the movies. I guess since it was on uh. Was it Stars or Cinemax or something like that? I thought it was FX. Um, hold on one second. I'm pretty sure that was... Uh, damn, it doesn't say out here. Oh, Stars. It was Stars. But like the one like one of the first things that stood out to me was when... Oh, it's spoilers, by the way. But um, he was in the morgue looking for something, and the corpses inside the morgue got possessed, and he got pulled inside the butthole of one of the corpses. <laughs> And then you could like see his head poking out through the incisions in the stomach, but then you could see the corpse's dick that was pierced, just like dangling there. And then he was getting covered in shit and blood from being in the guts of the corpse. And it was like, damn, that was that's something else. <laughs> well, I mean, not just that, but you know, um, the first episode, you see a kid die. You know, a kid that was possessed. Oh shit, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, where the demon was literally just trying to kill the kid to make the priest feel bad rubbing it in his face that he failed. And, uh, dude, I was like, holy shit, this is hardcore. Say, like, this is a hardcore-ass TV show. But, again, to make my point about this is, 
not everyone's going to like The Exorcist. I am. And I know there's a lot of people out there who would call you a piece of shit for saying you like the remake more than this than the Sam Raimi ones. <laughs> well, everyone's going to have their opinion, even if it's wrong. Because I will agree, when it comes to actual like horror, the 2013 one is a better horror than anything Raimi did. Absolutely. The first one, again, the first Evil Dead, it's garbage. I I never liked it. Evil Dead 2, I like it because of the comedy. In Army of Darkness, again, I like it because of the uh, ramped up comedy. Either way, I just see them as comedies. So it was actually fresh to see Evil Dead as a horror. Even though part one is a horror, but it's garbage. So 2013, that's like the chef's kiss right there because it was perfect. And And the new one, what's it called? Evil Dead Rise? Evil Dead Rise. So is it connected in any way or is it in the same universe? Is uh, 2013. Well, there are some things in it that, like they mentioned some things in the story that seem to connect it to the same universe. Uh, Maybe not directly to the Evil Dead movie from 2013, but that they exist within the same, you know, universe. Mostly the book. Okay, so the book's the one that connects both movies. Oh, okay. Well, you want, uh, we're going to get into, you want to give us a quick synopsis uh, without any spoilers? That way we can get into spoilers. Well, basically, it's got these two sisters that were kind of estranged from each other. They meet up, the uh, book gets involved, and one of them ends up dying. I mean, you'll see the trailer, so it's not technically spoilers. The mom ends up being the one that's possessed, and she basically terrorizes the family. And then the other sister, her sister and the kids have to find a way to survive and get out of there. And it was, uh, it was directed by Lee Cronin. I'm not familiar with his other stuff, but the the guy who directed The Evil Dead from 2013 also did Don't Breathe. Oh, yeah. That film. <laughs> and Texas Chainsaw from 2022. That's terrible. That's a Netflix one, right? Yes. Ugh. That's sad. He did such a good movie and then uh, did that movie. And but- then also something called The Girl in the Spider's Web, but I haven't seen that or read anything about it i think it's got something to do with the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo though well lee cronin the director of evil dead rise he did he wrote and directed evil dead rise and in 2019 he did the hole in the ground not sure if you've seen it i have i thought it was pretty fucking cool i have not seen the hole in the ground yeah you know i totally recommend that the hole in the ground it's starring lily sullivan Alyssa sutherland is that the one you said uh, related to, to Donald Sutherland, but not related? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was checking out her IMDb page and because I was wondering, hey, is she a fucking Sutherland? And it says that it said relatives listed was Donald Sutherland. And then in parentheses, it said not related. And apparently, she, I think she's Australian. Yeah, she's Australian. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure she's not related to the Sutherlands at all. Well, apparently everybody's Australian because it also stars Morgan um, Davies, and again Australian, uh, Lily Sullivan, Australian. Did they did they speak in Australian accents? No, no, none of them do. They they all just sound like your average everyday American. You know, it's it's credited as it's a uh, it's a United States film. Bunch of Aussies coming over here taking jobs from Americans. <laughs> I right. didn't even realize the other ones were Australian. That's cool. All right. They had a budget of nineteen million, 
and they already got its numbers in. It's 42.4 million so far. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's pretty good. Go ahead and talk about the movie now. So, I mean, what what happens? What's the whole point? Like, how does another book show up? Because I know you said well, this this is like this movie is connected because of the book, and you think there's going to be a third one. Okay, so the uh, the whole thing with the book, and this also ties in with that stupid thing on the internet where they're like, "Oh, can you spot Bruce Campbell's two cameos in the movie?" No one's going to spot Bruce Campbell's cameos in the movie without reading about them. But the uh, the book in this movie is not referred to as the Necronomicon, like in the 2013 Evil Dead, it's called the Notorum de Manto, and I think that translates to something like the nature of demons or something along those lines, but they also refer to it as the book of the dead. And I'm kind of glad they're not using Necronomicon because it distances. It has uh, nothing to do with Cthulhu stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the Necronomicon, like shouldn't have had anything to do with uh, evil dead to begin with, but I guess they, you know, needed something to tag on there. But I mean, it did sound cool when you think of it. Yeah. But wait, does, does it look the same as the book from the 2013? No. That's okay. the other thing. It it looks different from that one. In the 2013 one, the book was bound in skin like it's always uh, described as. But unlike the previous Evil Dead movies where it looked like there was a face on it, uh, in the 2013 one, it just looked like patches of skin that were stapled together. And when they opened the book, it had a whole bunch of scribbling and shit on it. In this one, in Evil Dead Rise, the book that they find... It's it's not really mentioned until later in the movie, but I'm I'm sure you're supposed to gather that it's also bound in human skin because it's got veins all over it, like a Snickers bar. And uh, the, <laughs> the <fucking> thing hold, <laughs> I know, but the thing holding the book closed, like the book is locked with these really sharp teeth that are on the edge of the book, and the uh, the kid trying to open the book, he cuts himself on the teeth. And then his blood drips onto the cover, it soaks in, and then the teeth just open up automatically. But the kid also finds these records in the same place that he found the book. Wait, and wait, the rec- wait, where do they find the book? Oh, this is, uh, it's, it's really weird. Because uh, it's, nothing's explained as to how the book got to where it was. But there's a part in the movie where the kids have come back from a pizza run, and they're pulling into the parking garage of the, their apartment. As soon as they get out of their car, an earthquake hits. This earthquake damages the floor of the parking garage, and it opens up like a pit. And uh, the son looks down into it, and he's got a flashlight, and he sees that it's actually the inside of an old bank vault. So he crawls down there and looks through a bunch of shit. He starts finding just makeshift rosaries and crucifixes hanging up all over the place. And then as he gets to one end of the vault, it gets more concentrated like how they're like kind of packed together and hanging off the ceiling like ornaments. And then there's a, there's a jump scare. This is like the first real jump scare in the movie. The there's a big fucking Jesus on a cross statue. That's like chained to the wall and it just falls forward, but it's like on a chain or something. So it stops halfway before like hitting the kid in the face. So you get Jesus in the face. He turns around and you see what looks like a tomb like a stone crypt or something like that inside the bank vault that he's in. And there's a hole in it probably caused by the earthquake. And he looks in there and there's um, the book wrapped in a cloth and he just kind of picks it up and puts it on a table behind him. He finds these other uh, records like these LPs with the book and they're labeled one through four. 
So he puts the records in his backpack and then he puts, he like pulls the cloth off the book. And it, it's kind of interesting when you first see the book, kind of like the shadow of it inside the crypt from where the camera angle is, it looks like a face. Like it looks like a, a nose and a brow and a mouth. And when he shines the light on it, it's just like just the way the cloth is shaped over it. And when he pulls the book out, the cloth is moving and I'm guessing it's supposed to look like it's breathing. But when he pulls the cloth off, it's just like a bunch of roaches or something moving around and they all just skitter away. So that's how he gets the book. Basically, he just he it it's just a fucking random thing that happens because of the earthquake. And all this takes place in a building, right? I guess like an apartment building. Yeah. The uh the whole story, well, there there's the intro to the movie really kind of I didn't like it. Like that that's like my real gripe with the movie is the intro to the movie. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. And it's kind of got the old school Evil Dead feel because it's people at a cabin. One person's obviously already possessed. She kills the other people in the cabin, and then you see the 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 uh, the title for the movie, and then it just cuts to the city that the apartment building's in, and it just says one day earlier. Is there yeah, at least it, like it, a lead it, up to that to the cabin? Yeah, at the end of the movie, it shows how the intro of the movie is connected to the rest of the movie. But, um, okay, it's like if it's gonna happen anyway, yeah. Why show it? Basically, because okay. like it just it felt unnecessary and disconnected. But it also felt like some way to kind of shoehorn in a cabin in the woods and some horrific shit happening there. And that's that's a kind of a prevailing thing, especially in the uh, 2013 remake. There's just little Easter eggs and things to remind you of the previous movies. The main characters are. So real quick. Okay. Ellie, which is the mom that gets possessed, that's Alyssa Sutherland. Her estranged sister, Beth, played by Lily Sullivan. And then her three kids, uh, Gabrielle, Danny, and Cassie. And Gabrielle's like the oldest daughter. Cassie's the youngest daughter. Danny's the uh, middle son, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. Gabrielle's the name of the actress. Bridget is the name of the character. So it's basically five people that are the main characters and there's probably about 17 characters in the whole movie is what what's the uh, any interesting fatalities like any well, clever ways of disposing people probably the end of the movie uh the rest of it's just mostly violence against other people or people that have already been possessed so they don't technically die from it um that the beginning, the way Ellie gets possessed is pretty rowdy, though, because when the son, he finally opens up the book, he's playing the records. And this is where one of the Bruce Campbell quote unquote cameos comes in. There's a priest that recorded himself discovering the book and presenting his findings to some other priests in order to get funding to research more. And when he talks about the book, there's one priest in the background of the audio that's like, oh, that's blasphemy. And that's supposedly Bruce Campbell. But, like, in the, I think it was in both uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2, they play a recording of somebody reciting pages, or reciting passages from the book, and that actually brings out the demonic presence. And when that happens, Ellie, the mother, she was taking some shit down to her car through the elevator, and they sort of reenact a scene that's kind of popular in Evil Dead, like in the first one and the remake, where... 
the uh the girl gets trapped with uh vines and tree branches and she basically gets raped by a tree and this one the uh cables and wires from the elevator kind of snake out of the walls and then they tie her up and start breaking her bones and strangling her hmm shit yeah yeah it's it's pretty violent though the way they show it the sounds the sound effects of her like bones breaking and her choking uh it, it's pretty crazy that's uh that's when she ends up getting possessed is after she ended up like technically dies from that. And then uh, another crazy one was the daughter Bridget. She ends up getting possessed in the movie and it's kind of clever how that happens. Cause uh, Ellie, when she's going on her little demonic rampage after being possessed, she uh, she's shown in the, in her intro of the movie, she's uh, doing some electrical work on a tattoo gun. So what she does is uh, she gets the tattoo gun and actually starts like like grinding it against the side of her face to get her blood on it. Then she scratches it across her daughter's face to sort of like just make a wound or something. And the daughter ends up eventually becoming possessed because her blood's infected. And she does some shit like it shows her eating glass at one point, and it, it does this close up on her throat where the glass is actually pushing through her throat as she swallows it. And then she also gets impaled through the mouth at one point. And it goes out the back of her head, and she's just kind of standing there for about a minute, like sort of choking and gagging on it, and eventually pulls it out. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, out of, out of all the deaths, though, the the son Danny he kind of dies in a really lame way. He just gets stabbed by the sister with some scissors, and that's it. Yeah, that sucks. When you get all these uh crazy creative fatalities, yeah, it always sucks to just see something boring like that. <laughs> Yeah, he died in a boring way. Yeah. So you, uh, yeah, we can give this a nine point eight because uh, had one shitty fatality. And then the uh, the other kind of uh, Bruce Campbell cameo that they have in there, um, Ellie ends up getting locked out of the apartment, and it's kind of comical, I guess you could say, if you're if you like that sort of twisted thing, where the family is looking out the peephole of the door, so you get that sort of uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, I guess like fisheye or that sort of like rounded perspective of things because of the way the peephole works and you see Ellie like running back and forth and neighbors trying to like stop her or it doesn't work she ends up like killing all the neighbors that try to stop her and there's this one part where she bites a person's eyeball out of their skull and the sound effects from that yeah the sound effects from that is apparently Bruce Campbell eating an apple aggressively so I, that's his oh, other cameo. It's it's dumb that they consider consider that a cameo. You know what? That's Collider. That that's yeah. the website Collider that considers that a cameo. That's stupid. Oh, oh Collider's not the only website that said that. Also, oh, uh, I think uh, Screen Rant also had that up. But um, it's it's still really good. The violence is amazing. There's a ton of blood in there. Also, I think the final death is probably the bloodiest one because after a. Uh, after a sort of Shining-esque scene with the elevator, where there's a wave of blood that comes out of it, um, Beth and Cassie, the youngest daughter, they're the only ones that survived. Since the other people had died by deadites, they were infected or possessed or whatever you want to call it. Um, the other two children end up tearing apart Ellie's body and crawling inside her, and they make a sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, like just this fucking grotesque amalgam of arms and legs and heads that start chasing uh, the daughter and the sister around. 
What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it, it looks pretty cool, though. They get trapped in the elevator. The presence starts filling the elevator with blood. And then you see, like, the camera zooms in on the uh, the weight capacity for the elevator. It says something like 6,000 pounds or some shit like that. And right when the elevator is about to completely fill with blood, I guess that maxes out the weight. So the elevator just drops all the way to the parking garage. The doors open and then uh, Beth and Cassie just get washed out of the elevator in a wave of blood. And basically they're trying to escape. And the the monster that's Ellie and Bridget and Danny all formed together is chasing them around. And There happens to be a wood chipper and a chainsaw there in the parking garage for some reason. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. The uh, the monster actually almost gets Beth inside the wood chipper, but Cassie saves her at the last minute by turning it off, and then Beth kind of wriggles out of there, and the monster had the chainsaw in one hand and dropped it, so Beth picked it up and started, like, chainsawing the heads of the uh, the monster to, like, force it towards the wood chipper, and then Cassie turns it on, and Beth just, like, forces the monster into it and it just grinds it up and shoots all this blood and viscera just all over the parking garage. It's uh it's pretty amazing. It's kind of like the end of the uh the Evil Dead remake where there's just a ridiculous amount of blood everywhere. Were there a lot of jump scares throughout the movie? I want to say there's probably about probably about two or three of them. Oh, that ain't bad. Yeah, it's it's not overused. You, I don't think you'd be annoyed by it cuz I know I know you don't like jump scares especially ones that don't pay off. Because, like, it's just the first one with the giant Jesus statue on the cross. That's, like, the first jump scare. Then there's another one a little later on. But overall, it's it's not uh, it's not overused or annoying. Yeah, because uh, jump scares are fucking annoying. Oh, and there is a shotgun. Oh, there is? Mm-hmm. There's a double-barrel shotgun. There's a chainsaw. There's a wood chipper. I'm trying to think of what else would, like, really tie it in. Oh, but um, earlier, um, about the book... The Notorum de Mancho, that's what they call the book in the Evil Dead remake of 2013. And in the record that the son's listening to, the priest says this is the second volume of three volumes of the book. So that's that's what kind of like makes me think there's going to be at least a third movie tied into that somehow. So the movie pretty much acknowledges that there is another book that was in 2013? Yes. Okay, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's got the name, and it mentions it, as, like the one in this movie is mentioned as the second volume. So, you know, here's hoping for a third one. Oh, also, the, the the drawings in the book are really fucking cool, too. It's not a, it doesn't have a whole bunch of, like, uh, spells and stuff written down, kind of like how it did in the remake where you could actually read it. But there's, like, drawings of people being tortured, um, grotesque monsters, um, you know, skeletons, the dead. Demons, and any like cool that. monsters or demons that you were like, I wish I could have seen that on screen. Yeah, there was one picture where it showed it, it showed a picture of like a woman with a whole bunch of tentacles coming out of her mouth in the book, and they sort of because uh, uh, it like in the remake it showed like a page in the book and then it showed somebody dying a certain way. They kind of did that in this one. And uh, it went to the page where it showed the woman with a bunch of tentacles coming out of her mouth, but then it just showed the uh, the daughter, Bridget, who was infected. She had this, like, black goo oozing out of her face, like her eyes, her nose, her mouth, and I guess they just kind of attributed it to that same picture. 
but I would have loved to have seen a more, you know, actual sort of tentacle monster thing coming out of her. Well, I got to take this back to the beginning, but again, uh, I might have missed it when you mentioned it, if you did. So when he plays the records, is that what starts this whole bullshit, uh, you know, in, in the apartment building? Yeah, because he literally, just like in the pre in the uh, original Evil Dead movie, you hear the professor saying uh, something like, these are the words, or th- this is the passage that I've transcribed from the book, or something like that. And then he starts reading off... Um, you hear the first uh, Kandar, which is also, it's the first word in the spell that he was saying in the remake, and I think they had that also in Evil Dead too when he was saying it on the tape. And, like, as soon as they say the first word, you start noticing the uh, that sort of first-person view of the presence. Okay. He, go- he starts saying more of the spell, but it sounds a little bit different than it does in the previous movies. And then the audio gets distorted and you can't really hear it. Do you see that, uh, the demon first person view, like in the streets? Uh, I can't remember if it started in the street. I know it started in the actual, like, apartment building going up to the elevator where Ellie was. It's all missing it- buttons that go to the, up to the correct floor. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be funny. But yeah, it, uh, it basically goes to where Ellie is in the elevator. And that's how the whole thing starts. I mean, overall, like, did it blow away your expectations? Was it better than what you thought? Or eh? I try not to have, like, too many high expectations for it because I don't want to be disappointed by it. But I was very entertained by the movie. Um, like I said, the gore was good. I like the uh, the sort of, like, chaotic, ridiculous, like, smile that Ellie always had after she was possessed and her face was all white and she had like blood running down her mouth she was she would always start talking in her normal voice and then it would do that thing where it would like distort and get super deep as she was like going on with whatever she was saying and uh i was a little annoyed with the other daughter bridget because she was like through most of the movie up until she gets possessed she's one of those and she's also got like a really bad attitude towards everybody it's like she's hateful towards everyone not hateful just like a bad teenager attitude like uh, she was complaining about not being able to find like some scissors or a marker or something so she could make up a sign for some protest she was going to the day after oh okay yeah sort of like that wait is that the blonde one no 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 that she's a brunette the youngest one cassie that's the blonde she's pretty cool but i hate how she's got that sort of like she talks with that uh how can i put it kind of like elmer fudd i guess or that kid from the remake of 13 ghosts where they can't say r's right and they just sound like w's owls yeah wait what character was that cassie the youngest daughter okay oh my god even on here bruce campbell features in a voice only cameo role like oh shut the fuck up yeah it's a waste of a cameo that's like how he's listed in the cast for evil dead 2013 but he's literally just in the post credit scene saying groovy. It says, uh, Bruce Campbell features a in-voice-only cameo role heard in a recording on one of the photograph records from 1923. Campbell voices an unnamed character who forewarns the priests to the dangers of the demon resurrection ritual, shouting, it's called the Book of the Dead for a reason, after urging the priests to stop. Writer-director Cronin stated that he had Campbell voice the role intentionally, stating that he considers it to be a time-displaced Ash Williams. 
What do you think of that? No, that's it's a waste of a cameo because like unless you're expecting to hear it, you're not going to know that that's uh, Bruce Campbell. I was going to say Ash Williams. Like I didn't even like it didn't sound like him to me. And then I th- I think we were talking about this before we, uh, we started the episode. You were telling me about you you or somebody was telling me about him doing that voice role, and I thought it was going to be the priest on the record, but. The priest doesn't even, he sounds like he's got a British accent almost. He talks, so I knew that wasn't Bruce Campbell. But basically, I think it's a waste of a cameo. And then I think, I don't know, because this dude's pretty much saying that that is Ash, just in a different time. Yeah, but you're not going to know that. Like, if you hadn't read that and you saw the movie, you wouldn't have any idea who that was. He just doesn't sound like him, uh, doesn't sound like him at all. No, it just sounds like some dude in the background of the audio saying some shit. Like, I I can't remember exactly what the words were. He could have said, that's the Book of the Dead or something like that. I know that that phrase does come up in the recordings. And I think that's a little... It sh- I don't think it should be called the Book of the Dead in the remakes either. I, th- I think they should have used the actual translation from Notorum de Monto instead. Because that makes a little bit more sense. Because the book's not really about necromancy. It's about demons. And what is the what does it translate to? Natorum de Manto, that's Latin. It's like demonic nature or the nature of demons or something like that. Because I, I read that before, uh when the first uh, when Evil Dead twenty thirteen came out, I was like, What the hell does that mean? I remember the last time I looked up something in Latin that was uh in a movie was for the movie Darling. And there there's something written on in Latin somewhere in the movie i don't know if it's like on a wall or something on a nightstand but you know what you, you should watch darling if you haven't i'll look that up it's definitely one of my favorite horror movies of all time hmm. now i'm having a hard time actually finding the translation i think it's best if you, you leave it like that man we don't want no demons around here yeah well it it definitely wouldn't translate to book of the dead because that's what necronomicon translates into because ne- necro being dead and then the suffix like, is that is that in Latin? Yeah, man, <clears throat> I'm disappointed because you know Lovecraft created the Necronomicon, and he's over here putting characters in it that it, it looks like it's pronounced Cthulhu, but it's <laughs> you know it's Cthulhu. Yeah, you you figured he would do something like that for the actual name too, instead of you know what, I'll just go to Latin because I can't think of anything. Hmm. Oh well, but overall, would you recommend it? Oh, like, wait, I, wait. Who's this movie for? Um, adolescent male youth. Because you, you know, there's people that just don't care about story. All they care is about gore. Would they be happy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if if you're not looking to be bored by the story, go see the movie because it's full of shit that'll keep you... It'll, it'll keep you focused on the gore and the violence. But if you do like the story, there's actual story in there that is, uh, you know, tells you about what's going on and stuff. It's... Uh, it's good in either direction, honestly. What I like it. I like part. I like. I like the 2013 one. Yeah, I mean, if if you like the 2013, watch this one. It's it's also really good too. It's. I think it's got more story than the 2013 one. And uh, I like how I like how the book looks. I like the whole audio thing that they do in there. It's uh, with the records. I think I'm mainly, some. Of, I'm, I'm mainly looking forward to it just because it takes place not in a cabin. Yeah, they still had to force a cabin in there for some reason. But I was going to say, fortunately, it's just 
it's just like you know five minutes of the beginning of the movie and then you never see it again and that's what i was gonna say I mean, i think that's why i like army of darkness more than the other ones oh yeah it's, it's not like in a the cabin world yeah, yeah. Well, well speaking of it how, how does it lead up to the cabin you know it's like what the, the movie oh. takes place a day before the cabin i mean of course i mean we already said we're gonna get into spoilers so more more spoilers more spoilers. Okay, so what happens? At the end of the movie, after the monster's killed, Beth and Cassie are actually able to escape. They drive off. And then it's... This is... I, I think this is kind of stupid. It's one of my gripes for the movies. So this is like my one real gripe about the movie. Um, it has to do with the intro that's disconnected. The girl that's possessed that kills her two friends at the cabin. After the monster's dead and there's blood everywhere, Cassie and Beth leave. The camera goes back up to the very top floor where all the bullshit was happening with Ellie and the whole family and everything. And you see this girl walking out of her apartment like she just woke up from a nap or something. Like she spent the whole night asleep and didn't hear gunfire or screaming or monsters or anything like that happen right outside her door. She's just on her phone, completely disconnected from everything around her. She walks up to the elevator. The elevator's completely fucking obliterated, but she doesn't really like... Like, I guess it doesn't register that it's, like, destroyed. She's just like, oh, it's out of order. So she takes the stairs down to the parking garage, still completely oblivious, talking to her friend on the phone about going to the cabin. And then she hangs up the phone, and she starts looking around because she notices that there's a wood chipper that's kind of blocking her exit because she's in her car at this point. Looks out the rearview mirror, sees the wood chipper in the way, gets out of her car, starts looking around. You see the blood and guts everywhere. The cars are covered in it. It's all over the floor. The wood chipper's covered in blood. There's a chainsaw. And then it does the the first person view of the presence or the entity or whatever you want to call it. Just flies at her and she screams and that's where she's supposed to be possessed. So it kind of ends like Evil Dead 1. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it, uh, it also comes up in the audio recording. Beth listens to the last record at some point, and the priest, you hear him becoming more desperate with how he's talking, and he's like, I had to kill all my friends. The The demon is just demonic in nature. It kills with no rhyme or reason. And then he starts going on to, like, say, uh, oh, what was it? Like, there's no way to get rid of it. My time is coming. There's nothing that can stop this. It's it's gonna it's gonna possess me or something like that. So I guess with her going down to where all the blood and guts were, that's where the girl from the cabin, like just being in that area, she she was possessed. Well, um, okay, I can see. Well, no, you want to what? I mean, I I know you don't you don't like it. The the idea of like you know the cabin scene, it wasn't necessary. I think I don't mind it. Because imagine what I mean, the way I it would bother me would be it jumps in her and then it just cuts to the cabin she's killing people like I I, I think that was good in my opinion I mean I haven't seen it but the way he explained it I, I think opening with the cabin's fine you know seeing how it went from the city to or back to the cabin or a cabin so again I mean I haven't seen it I mean I don't oh it doesn't show her go back to the cabin it just ends right there when she gets possessed yeah you see and i think that's i think that's fine and also um i haven't seen the movie because i just don't like going to the movie theaters anymore <laughs> i i feel like i need to explain why you went to see it and i didn't just because 
I worked at a movie theater for many years, and I just hate watching movies with the public now. That's understandable. I mean, I, working at an airport as long as I have, I don't want to fly anywhere now. I don't want to deal with any of that shit. Yeah, I think the only times I will go to a theater if it's something I really just want to watch. And there's only the last three movies I remember doing that were with uh, Tomb Raider 2018, and I loved it. Uh, Joker and Sonic the Hedgehog 1. And I was happy with those movies. And it was also, I mean, I had to be drunk to go watch them. I just don't like <laughs> yeah, public normally, theaters anymore. See, my, my plan, and I know it's a little bougie of me, but I like to go to the draft house. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but I can have beer and shit there while I'm watching the movie and food too if I get the munchies. But I waited too long to get the tickets. Draft house sold out, and I had to go to the ghetto-ass Alamo Quarry Theater, which really kind of disappointed me, but I tried to not let it ruin my movie watching experience. But there were so many people. God damn, there were so many people that were still coming in like 30 minutes after the movie started. Bunch of fucking teenagers coming in there. Yeah. yeah again, that's why I don't like going to theaters anymore. You know, uh, some of it has to do with just working at a theater for what, man, eight years. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and just... I really got used to just watching movies alone or with a very small amount of people. Like when we would screen movies the night before release. I would see, I, I would figure that would be kind of cool though. Like yeah, getting, I, being able to do that. Yeah. I got spoiled on that. It, it was nice. Just being there with the theater all to yourself or if not, you know, if there's other people there, they're employees, but they're, we're all scattered, not near each other. The thing I hate the most is having to watch a movie with the public and some asshole just had too much soda and he's got to get up every like fucking 10 minutes and just going back and forth. I hate that. Just somebody's ass just going across my face while I'm trying to watch a movie. All right. Check this out. I was uh, looking up some more shit on the name of the book just for translation. And I found a Reddit thread where I guess this person's some kind of language expert. And th this is what he had posted about the name of the book so the naturum de monto is translated as on the nature of the daemons d-e-a-m-o-n-s it's one of the translations of the original aramaic text usually called necronomiconix mortis which is translated as the book of dead and undeath naturum de monto is a late latin early italian translation from aramaic okay be so de monto yeah, D. Well, okay, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's D E M O N T O. Yeah, um, one of my favorite bands of all time, Halloween. They did a whole song in Latin. It was really impressive. I'm gonna have to check that out. Oh, also, apparently, I I didn't even catch this in the first Evil Dead movie. That's what they called the book. It wasn't Necronomiconix Mortis. It was Natorum Demonto. So they didn't even use the Necronomicon until the second movie. Well, they're staying at least uh, true to the original. But yeah, could argue that. that's it for this Evil Dead one. I mean, again, you were happy with it all the way through? Yeah. Yeah, except for the cabin thing. But I mean, it didn't totally ruin the movie for me. So I'm still good with it. Badass. Is it worth You think I'd be happy getting it on Steelbook? <laughs> well, after hearing you and AJ talk about Steelbooks, I think I'm going to start getting things on Steelbooks. And that's definitely going to be one of them. Steelbooks, man. It's only get the stuff you really love. Yeah, I'm still looking for Big Trouble in Little China on Steelbook. Peace out for this one.
Good night, everybody.